0: Headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units, stand by for On Patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM.
1: good morning thank you for tuning in to another new episode of on patrol with the ppd here on wtbr 89.7 fm pittsfield community radio simulcast on pittsfield community television my name is mike Wynn. i'm the chief of police here in the city of pittsfield i'm also one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this purportedly not recently weekly radio show today is friday april 15th 2022 uh technically i think it's tax day it's actually been extended uh, to monday and it's also good friday so if uh, and it's also the first day of passover so to all of our friends and listeners and viewers who celebrate in those faith traditions um happy holidays i'm joined in studio this morning by captain gary traversa who is running the soundboard good morning captain
0: good morning chief good morning everybody
1: and also joining us this morning is sergeant mark maddalena of the traffic Bureau. Good morning, Sergeant, Traffic Unit, Traffic Bureau.
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me.
1: How are you today? Good. No, you're not. You told me (laughs) what's been happening for the last hour, hour and a half. Um, Maybe we'll get into a little bit of that. Uh, Let's start with a check of the weather, and then we'll come back and talk about a few newsworthy items, and then we'll we'll talk about why we've been so erratic with new programming and content for the last several weeks, and then we'll get to the sergeant.
3: Berkshire weather. Here is your WTBR forecast from BerkshireWeather.com for Thursday, April 14th. Greetings! Today, Portly Cloudy, a high of 74 with some thunderstorms. Tonight, partly Clear, a low of
1: 39 with a few rain showers. Tomorrow, Mostly sunny,
3: with a high of 63. That's your latest WTBR forecast. For more weather forecasts and education, go to BerkshireWeather.com. I'm Jacob Klein for WTBR, and I hope you all have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone!
1: Oh, I've missed Jacob's weather reports. It's been far too long. The email version is not nearly as chipper and cheerful and pleasant. Uh, So, a couple of news items to talk about. I'll keep it a little bit low-key today. Um, I'm going to do these in order of importance for the department. So, the first one is, it is the Friday coming into the tail end of National Emergency Telecommunicators Week, or uh, Dispatch Week. And, you know, when when I started as the chief, I don't even think I knew there was a National Emergency Telecommunicators Week, but similar to Police Week, which is coming up in May, uh, every April, the the federal government has designated the week that, you know, we've been in, beginning last Sunday and ending tomorrow, to recognize and celebrate our emergency telecommunicators, our dispatchers and call takers. And I just want to take a minute because it, our communications personnel are the unsung heroes of public safety. Um, you know, it, each, each of our disciplines has a, a color associated with it. So you'll You know you hear about the red blue brotherhood or the red blue team sisterhood uh, you know fire and police and the thin red line and the thin blue line Uh, ems is the thin white line corrections is the thin gray line but um what has been recognized in the last several years is that dispatch is that golden line that intersects between all of the others and i think one of the things that um You know, it's kind of facetious, but somebody told me once, you know, you you may know where you are and you may know what you're doing and God may know where you are and God may know what you're doing. But if your dispatcher doesn't know where you are and what you're doing, you better be on good terms with God. (laughs) Right. Um, Dispatch is they're just they are the calm voice in the darkness. And one of the things that I realized several years ago when we started doing some work on our officers, mental health and resiliency is that. You know, for an officer who goes in on a, on a push call, on a hot call, at some point, regardless of, of what the outcome of the call is, the officers know the ending. They know the resolution. They went in, their adrenaline dumped, they got hyped up, but they were there at the conclusion. And whatever it is, you know, patient transported to the hospital, bad guy in handcuffs, whatever it is, they're there. Dispatch never gets that. They never get closure. They just go on to the next call. And if you've ever toured or visited our station Our dispatch center is nonstop, 24 hours a day, um, primary for Pittsfield Fire, EMS, uh, police. Also monitoring other uh, city radio frequencies like school bus operations and uh, Department of Public Services. And also listening in on what's going on with other agencies. Plus, you know, answering all the phones, answering all the 911. Uh, It's just, it's constant. Um, Your team does... (laughs) <laughs> it's a lot of work, Captain.
0: Yeah, I just, Chief, want to add in there. I mean, obviously, this is a national, um, recognize, nationally recognized uh, week, but you know, specific to our dispatchers, um, you know, obviously they, they do a great job. And just to paint a little picture here, um, our, our patrol officers, you know, patrol division, you know, there's a little flexibility. There's, you know, we're we're staffed such that. Um, you know if somebody's sick or there's a day off it doesn't you know in the ideal situation sometimes obviously you know it causes mandatories but um, not as not in the same way it doesn't dispatch dispatch is staff is staffed uh, in such a way that if anybody You know calls in sick or when they take vacation they have to cover each other right and they do a great they're really it's a very dedicated team you know not only do they do a great job and and they're very proficient and, and professional in what they do um but it takes a great amount of dedication and they they cover each other in a way to, you know to make it work for a unit, and they really function as a great team.
1: And, and there is literally no bench strength in that unit, right? There's there's no reserve to go to. So twenty five years ago, twenty seven years ago, when I started, uh, the requirements for dispatchers were much lower. And so if you were down a dispatcher, it didn't really take much to throw a police officer into a chair. As long as they knew how to work the radios, you could throw them in the chair, and that's a fairly you know shallow learning curve. Not anymore, right? With all the special certifications that a dispatcher has to have, it's not cost-effective for us to train our police officers, cross-train them as, as emergency medical dispatchers and the other specialty certifications. So it's a unique specialty, and they can, they can only do it, for, like you said, for each other. So yep. thanks to all of our communications personnel and all communications personnel around the country who do this for every community. All right. Other noteworthy news. Uh, top of the top of the first page in this morning's Berkshire Eagle, I got the notice uh, when the media release went out yesterday. And I was like, yeah, this is this is a really big deal for the city. Um, so, if you didn't see the news, if you didn't see hear the, see the press release uh, th- yesterday, the mayor and the administration had a media event to announce the first round of um, community spending awards with the city's ARPA funds. Now, the ARPA funds were made available, we knew we got notice of it um, a year ago, almost nine months ago, and the total coming into the city in several tranches is uh, over $40 million, but it's coming in in waves. And one of the things the mayor and the administration made a decision on early is they weren't gonna make any hasty decisions. They were gonna spend a lot of time gathering a lot of community input, they put together an advisory board, and they accepted applications from community organizations. And yesterday they announced uh, nearly $6 million in community funding from the ARPA funds. And uh, you know, there's still a little bit of work to be done on what the reporting requirements will be for the agencies that receive them. But a lot of our partners, a lot of uh, organizations that we do a lot of community-based work with uh, are receiving those funds. And so that should be a great infusion of resources into the city. And I'm kind of excited about that. On a happy note, finish up. The Easter egg extravaganza is back. There will be a unbelievable amount of eggs. 6,300 eggs in the common. um, Tomorrow, right? It's tomorrow? Yeah. Saturday for children from 2 to 11 years old. Starting at 10.30 a.m. And ending around probably noonish starts with the older kids at 10 30 and then uh 11 the toddlers step off to search for the sixty-three treat filled eggs that open spaces and parks has been working on uh so that should be fun if you got young ones go get some eggs
0: sounds like a good time yeah hopefully the weather holds
1: all right so before we got on the air this morning <clears throat> the captain and i are talking about how long it's been since uh We've we've been in studio together, and how long it's been since we put together a actual new program. I don't remember how long it's been since we put together an, an actual new program. I think it's three three weeks now, uh, but it's been probably closer to five weeks since we've been in studio together. There's just so you had some time off, yep. uh, and then we had some. We had a day when all you, me, and the lieutenant were all elsewhere in the state. All on Friday, so that that we had to go. Uh, and then I got sick and had to cancel a training trip. So that was a program. I don't think, I don't even think we aired an old program. I think they just kept the music playing there in that slot. Uh, and then last week I was traveling again um, before we get to Sergeant Madeline and the traffic stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't get an opportunity nearly as often now in my current role as the chief to do the type of, Physical skills training that I really really enjoyed doing when I was an officer and a sergeant and a lieutenant uh, But there was a opportunity that I became aware of last winter And so we've talked on the program in the past that the department has implemented a pilot program for jujitsu for some of our officers and I don't think I've spoken that there is a there is a process in place across the Commonwealth with the Municipal Police Training Committee to add some jujitsu-based techniques into the basic defensive tactics curriculum. So three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, I went down for four hours to work with some DT instructors to kind of get exposed to what those techniques are going to be. But the other opportunity that had come up is that there's a nationally recognized program, uh, post-certified in many states called Gracie Survival Tactics, which is a first responder and military-restricted defensive tactics program that is jiu-jitsu based uh and it's not all that common that the gst instructor program has come to new england and so i got noticed through the defensive tactics network that this was coming and it one it was a great opportunity to it fit in with our jiu-jitsu pilot program and three i knew that Uh, At some point, as a post commissioner, I was going to have to take a look at this program because they apply for post certification wherever they have a a foothold. And so, with those three things in mind, it's like I gotta, I gotta go check this out. I can check a bunch of boxes. So last Friday, I was finishing my five-day GST program. It was the hardest defensive tactics program I've been in in probably twenty years. I'm saying a lot. I'm glad I went. (laughs) I'm glad I went, but I am not 30 anymore. <laughs> it was, uh, it w- we trained from 8 in the morning until 2.30 in the afternoon, at the earliest, 2.30 in the uh, quarter to 3 in the afternoon every day with no actual scheduled break. Like They gave us 20 minutes at some point mid-morning to hit the restroom, hydrate, check your phone, scarf down a bite of a sandwich, and get back on the mats. It was just hardcore. So
0: were the the students in that class, the other students, mostly um, trainers, or
1: what was the... It was a a really interesting mix. Everybody in the room, uh, other than the instructors, was a first responder. Uh, Most were law enforcement. A handful of corrections. Um, One firefighter, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, A couple people who were cross-trained, you know, so uh, police and uh, also EMS but the um it was an interesting mix of people who were experienced defensive tactics instructors and people who had never been a defensive tactics instructor but their agency had decided this was the DT they were going to do so they were getting certified for the first time um, uh, two handfuls you know maybe a dozen of us with previous jiu jitsu experience for the most part participants this was first time on the jiu jitsu mats uh but it was it was pretty cool um so Got that material, looking forward to incorporating some of it into our jiu-jitsu pilot program. And also looking forward to seeing what's going to happen when these new strategies get added into the recruit curriculum. Uh, I had a conversation with Officer Gaynor yesterday, um, figuring out how to introduce it to you and (laughs) in-service. So it should be cool. Something to look forward to. All right, enough about that. We're back. Back yeah. to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, Lieutenant Hill is recovering from his knee situation, so he should be back with us next week. Mr. Munn is recovering. He should be back with us next week. We're getting the band back together. Yeah. Looking right. back, I guess we've been in rough shape. Didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> we we got a lot going on. Yeah. All right. But in any case, we're back now, and we are joined this morning by Sergeant Maddalena, who we are always happy to have in studio. And it's timely because it is a seasonal change again. So we are going from winter weather concerns to spring and summer weather concerns. And you would think that the transition from nice weather to bad weather, like when people forget to drive in the snow, is the worst time of year. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. People haven't been driving as much for a couple of months. They're out there, they're not paying attention. There's more pedestrians there's more bicycles we got all kinds of stuff
2: going on i would agree with you um the number of complaints that we're going to start to receive uh, now that we're in the decent weather months is going to skyrocket once the <laughs> windows open <laughs> that's exactly it the windows open up <laughs> and people can hear what's going on um, traffic has been very busy you all have a lot going on um
1: I'm just gonna I'm just gonna kind of open it up, and you can talk about what you've been looking at and
2: seeing and working on. So. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in addition to our normal activity of just assisting with patrol and answering calls for service, um, obviously, we're out there trying to uh, enforce motor vehicle law and investigating our slew of accidents that we get as well. Um, one of the things that we do, especially in the summer months, uh, spring months in order to try to, I guess, subsidize or increase our ability to get out there and enforce motor vehicle laws, we apply for grants every year. And one of the grants that we, that we apply for and are fortunate enough to, to obtain every year is from the uh, Massachusetts Executive Office of Public Safety and Security. It's called EOPS. And what they do is they provide us funding for specific uh, mobilizations throughout the year. Uh, The first mobilization that we did uh, was in December of 2021 because the grant runs in a federal fiscal year. Um, And it's a winter impaired campaign which we did around the holidays um, and from December into January. Um, But the majority of the funding is for the spring and summer months uh, as the volume increases for traffic. Um, As I said, as complaints increase, as pedestrian. Uh, activity increases uh, so in april is the first mobilization for 2022 and it's it's called distracted driving which is what uh you'll see the boys out there for the month of april um, enforcing the cell phone laws if you want to call them that um, as hopefully most people are aware you cannot have a cell phone in your hand uh, when you're driving a motor vehicle uh, it is a distraction and as such if, if the boys are out there, and they see you uh, on that cell phone. Then um, you could potentially be stopped and at least educated in regards to what the current law is and the dangers of it. You know, we're not out there to punish people and harm everybody in regards to fines. That's more of a, well, I think the state did a good job in rolling this law out. It's you know, we still want to get the word out there and, and educate the people and let them know, hey, listen, there's a time and a place, and I understand that we're it's in this busy world sometimes that time and place maybe right now but if that's the case then you need to pull over and be safe about what you're doing mm-hmm.
1: can we can we talk about the rollout just real briefly because i was i was driving in the city the other day and i saw a lot of people with their handheld cell phone, you know their handheld devices or cell phones in their hand and you know going through intersections where there's a cruiser like they, they know they're in a busy area they know they don't care um and so it's it's been two years now right more than two years
2: more than two years. More than two years. Yeah.
0: Didn't
1: it roll and, out right about when COVID started? I, well, that was when the enforcement portion rolled out, I think. But there was a year before that, right? So the, the Commonwealth did something different with this with this law. They passed the law and they made it a violation, and then they told us for one year, don't write any fines, right? right? For one year, just go out there and do public education. I think it was tied in with the the hands-free data collection stuff so that was 2018 right so you got 2019 to kind of get up to speed and then 2020 was when we were supposed to start the enforcement and then the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. right so we're over two years into this thing and people just don't know they just obviously don't know right it's and the odd part is you see people from states that it's been prohibited for a long time they get into massachusetts and it's like massachusetts right and here comes the phone again Mm -hmm. it's crazy
2: sorry no, you're right. Because we will stop the cars and we'll talk to people and say, like, "Well, I was stopped, or I was at a red light, or I was." It's like, I understand <laughs> that, but the way the law is written, you, know, you can't have that device in your hand, um, and you, you'll get pushback. It's well, what, you know, so it's in my hand. I, I was talking. Okay, well, you still can't have it in your hand. You know, I don't know if you're talking or if you're texting. I mean, the, the spirit of the law, in and of itself, is about. It, it revolves around texting, right? Because you know, we can have a conversation in regards to what is the actual distraction. Addiction. Um, because you can certainly put a hamburger to your mouth. You can put a cigarette to your mouth, and that's not illegal. But putting that phone to your face is illegal. Right. Um, well, it's the combination of the
1: two things, right? Because even if you're using the device in hands-free mode, the conversation is still a distraction, Correct. right? So it's the multiplier. Mm-hmm. It's the conversation with the device in your hand. That's, you know, it's not twice as dangerous. It's probably a magnitude of four times as dangerous. Right. Um, you know, eating, yeah, that's a distraction um but just so texting was the the next or the genesis of this that was the beginning it took us a long time i mean a lot of the country got up on no texting and driving long before we did by the time we got on board because it's it's not just texting right i've stopped cars because people had movies going (laughs) sure they yeah yeah, they got netflix on on their phone i'm like you're driving they're like yeah but my program you're driving (laughs) i don't understand and a young man come in to take a st- tour of the station yesterday his grandpa reached out and I know him from the community and uh, so I'm getting ready to start the tour and he says yeah it's going to be he's, he's not even 9 yet right so be nine. shout out to Javi for coming in and visiting us um, he's like hey, but he's already thinking about his driver's license can you give him some good tips for what he should think about with his driver's license and this is a conversation I've had numerous times during my career but normally with very experienced drivers Be in the car with somebody, they're driving, not a cop, (laughs) and uh, usually family members. And I just look at them and I'm like, you know that driving is an active activity, right? It's not a passive activity. I had a family member once, we were driving, there was a bunch of us in the car. They're driving, I'm in the front passenger seat, there's another passenger in the rear passenger seat. The driver is looking over their shoulder into the rear passenger seat to carry on a conversation what are you doing you're driving She's like, well i don't want to be rude i have to make eye contact no you have to watch the road right you are not a passenger here do your thing it, it, people just don't get it i, I think something that, that has
0: gotten lost in in modern times especially with like the hands-free in equipment and newer cars is that and, and this is back to your point chief it's still a distraction when you're carrying a conversation whether it's hands-free or, or not, it's still, there's a level of distraction there. Yeah.
1: You know, it, it, it's just... It, people think that driving is passive. It's, they think it's something that you participate in. No, it's something you do, right? You're responsible
2: for that thing. It's a multi-ton missile hurtling down the roadway. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. You're multitasking. And, you know, you, we've all had that experience where you're driving down the highway and you're like, wow, here's my exit. And you, you don't even remember the last 30 miles that you just drove. But the amount of your brain can only handle so much information. I mean, your your hands are on the wheel, your eyes are looking out the window, your feet are on the pedals. Sometimes you're, you know, you're hitting your your, your indicators in regards to changing lanes. I mean, there's only so much that you can do at Not one Not if you're point, from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: the Blanca. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to I have to digress for a minute. Did you guys see the video? I think it was out of L.A. The cops had to throw the stop on the autonomous car. No. Mm-mm. You see this? No. Oh, when you get to the station, you got to look it up. It's been in the news cycle for about a week. So this car is driving, I'm pretty sure it was in LA. This car is driving with no headlights on. And the officers, I think the sheriff's deputies, they throw a stop on the car. And the car comes to a stop. And they walk up on the car. And there's no driver in the car. Right, so they're kind of like talking back and forth. And they're like, what, do, what are we going to do here, right? And then while they're trying to sort out what they're going to do, the car takes off. And goes through the intersection. goes It kind of goes through a red light, (laughs) and it stops on the other side. So they stop it again, and it's it's an autonomous car, right? Mm -hmm. And so they they didn't do this in real time obviously there's no enforcement activity there's no one to write a ticket to i was having this conversation at the station and one of the civilians was like put it under the windshield wiper (laughs) but they contacted the company and the programmers came back and they're like you're right the you know the car failed to stop and went through the red light it was moving to a safer location like the algorithm figured out that the cops picked a dangerous location for the stop so the car picked a better one (laughs)
2: <laughs> really, and in the process of that, ran a ran around red like, light. <laughs> but it knew there was
1: nothing coming, right? So it was trying to like get the office on the other side of the interstate. It's bizarre. It's a you gotta look, you gotta look it up. It's crazy.
2: I, I I have a hard time wrapping my heads around what this world's going to be like in fifteen and twenty years when you have all these autonomous vehicles slash tractor trailers on yeah. the road and it's uh, you know technology is, is good, but it's only so good. It's I mean, <laughs> weird.
1: It's weird though because I remember. This is going way, way back. We gotta, you know, we gotta set the way back machine for like my childhood. But I remember watching a science and engineering program, like after school, probably in the eighties, and they were doing some. T- this was long before anybody thought of autonomous cars, but they were doing some testing on a set of stretch of roadway in California or Nevada, and the the technology they were trying to test is when you hit the on-ramp to come up on this section of interstate there were sensors in the roadway and they would take over the speed they, they would send a signal and take over the speed of the car and the distance of the car from the car in front and behind it mm-hmm. and what they figured out in these ta- and obviously you know the proof of concept it, it wasn't cost effective but when you automated it when you took out the human factor Not only was it much, much safer, right? There was better stopping distances and all that stuff. It was much more efficient. Because if you stabilize the speed and you stabilize the distance, you took away that one person who was jockeying for position, and then that caused a ripple effect, and now you've got you know a, a log jam somewhere and an empty stretch of highway somewhere else. And as long as you were on the interstate and everybody was entering and exiting at the same speed and maintaining the same distance, I think they nearly doubled traffic volume without increasing accidents so it, to your point right there's only so much the human brain is capable of. and i think we're all kind of sketchy about you know skynet and you know how much can we automate but the processes are much faster than we are right sure. so if you take away those factors there there is the potential for a great increase in
2: efficiency and
1: safety you just you know you got to trust the algorithm i guess well i was
2: going to say until one of the uh, algorithms does the wrong thing and then you sure. have a pile up on <laughs> or until somebody <laughs> hacks it right yeah
1: that's that's the stuff of like primetime television. You got the autonomous car, and somebody hacks it, turns it into like a perfect murder weapon. Mm-hmm. I think that was an NCIS episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, but you wonder. I mean, how far does this go? Does it yeah. get? Does it broaden into? You know, the, the two wheeled version of vehicles. I mean, is it? Does that become automated somehow, some way? I Man, that's scary. And that is scary. You know, you're not surrounded by the metal that you are in a car to be yeah. safe. But.
1: Probably has better balance though. Yeah. That would be interesting. But then it's just a small step to just a one wheeled vehicle, right? (laughs) That's straight out of like men in black. So, we got a couple minutes left before we have to take a break. Um, What else is going on with the distracted driving campaign?
2: Uh, As I said, that's going on from till the end of uh, April. And then in May is going to be the clicker ticket campaign, uh, which that's obviously the seatbelt campaign. We'll be running with that. Um, And then in June is speed enforcement. Uh, And then in between and along during all that, and with coinciding with those mobilizations we're doing uh, pedestrian and bike safety as well we're going to be doing crosswalk enforcement in the city and trying to in particular north street where the pedestrian volume is the heaviest trying to remind people again to use the crosswalks it's not just for uh the operators but it's also for the pedestrians as well uh, one of my bigger pet peeves is watching people cross the street within 15 feet of a crosswalk uh,
1: I, I have to express a little frustration i don't even i think it's been eight years since we you and I, actually, we crafted um, sample legislation that uh, Representative Trisha Farley-Bouvier filed on our behalf, basically to bring some parity and equity between the enforcement action we take against drivers who fail to stop for pedestrians and pedestrians who fail to behave appropriately and safely. And, and I'm not going to get into the details in the minute we got, but the the reality is because of the archaic laws that are Ordinances are based on there's there's not other than education. There's nothing we can do We can't actually like take enforcement action against a jaywalker And so all we asked them to do was give us a mechanism to document and take some enforcement action. we didn't even care if it was You know a token amount um, and it, That has been in front of the legislature every year since we helped put it together and it has not come out of the Judiciary Committee ever it failed again this year on a voice vote. And, you know, it angers me. But I think the part that angers me the most is they scheduled it for. A, I've gone down and testified on it in person before. Uh, they scheduled it for a hearing and they didn't notify us that it had been scheduled for a hearing until two days before. And they're like, You can either be here to testify in person or it's going to go down again. Like, yeah. Thanks for the heads up. All right. So. All right. It's time for a check of the weather, station identification, a couple PSAs, and we'll come back and talk about some other traffic related stuff. You've been listening to On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television, and now available on all of your popular podcast platforms.
3: It's now time for the WTBR Jobs Board, underwritten by Interprint Inc. in Pittsfield. Interprint offers 8-hour fixed shifts, competitive wages, and excellent benefits. To join the growing Interprint team, search Interprint's job openings on Indeed.com and apply today. The Pittsfield Public Schools has an opportunity for you. They're looking for bus drivers, bus monitors, and cafeteria helpers. These part-time positions come with great starting pay and benefits. For more information, go to Pittsfield.net and click on the Job Openings tab. Greylock Federal Credit Union is looking for bilingual employees to fill multiple different positions. Visit graylockorg careers today to learn more. Greylock Federal Credit Union, equal opportunity employer. The WTBR Jobs Board was underwritten by Interprint Inc. in Pittsfield, the number one decor designer and printer for the world's finest laminators. To join the growing Interprint team, search Interprint's job openings on Indeed.com and apply today. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union, proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal, with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, BeFair is one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one, or are interested in caring for the people we support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities.
2: Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madeline with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives, and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You can be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. Good morning. Welcome
1: back to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. Today is Friday, April 15th, 2022, and we are talking with Sergeant Mark Maddalena of the department's traffic unit. Uh, PCTV staff just stuck their head in and pointed out that as excited as I was to hear Jacob's weather forecast at the top of the hour, I didn't recognize that it's not a current forecast. (laughs) So I apologize for that. Jacob's on vacation. Enjoy your time off, Jacob.
0: You're not the Uh, only one that didn't pick up on that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: if you need to know what's going on with the weather look out the window right now (laughs) right now it's a beautiful day um so we were talking about distracted driving and that is definitely uh it's definitely a a concern it's definitely something we all observe uh it's a primary enforcement mechanism now right yes sir people don't understand that we can pull you over you got your phone in your hand um one of my favorite things to do because my cruiser is you know it's 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 apparently a police car if you look hard enough but it's unmarked so you know if you're not looking you might not notice it i like to pull up to a red light and then if i'm in a multi-lane you know multiple cars of rest i like to look to my left and right and see if anybody is on their phone and then i roll down the windows and hit the air horn put the phone down they freak out
2: (laughs) don't hit the air horn on north street okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) you can't make everybody happy no.
2: That was a great commercial, by the way, Gary. Thank you.
0: Yeah. You yeah. realize
2: how fast I talk. Timely.
0: Hey, I'm sure you had a time limit. You had to get yeah. get it all in. Yeah, Recording
1: those PSAs is hard. We, how many it, cuts do we have to take for the recruiting one?
0: Oh, that was uh, it had to be four or five yeah. to squeeze that in. Yeah. The, the one that you and Sergeant Callahan yeah. Yeah. did.
1: Th- those are hard. Yeah. If you're involved in a nonprofit in the community, I challenge you to take it the, when they when PCTV and WTBR do their um, public service announcement week where they'll help you put together one and it you know they'll do it for your charge if you come out during the scheduled time take advantage of that but be prepared it's a challenge all right distracted driving is not all the traffic unit does when when I became the chief actually maybe a little after I became the chief and you were taking over running the traffic unit you taught me a Expression or a term that I had never heard before that you have used with great success over the past several years and I love talking about it because I think it gives the public a different perception of like people think we stop people and write tickets because we make money. First, that's a misperception. We don't make money, right? When you figure out the way that the uh, the, the fines actually get routed there's, there's no infusion of cash Into the PD There's a drop in the bucket Into the city It's not about that We stop cars To keep people safer Right when, when we enforce The traffic laws It has a direct impact On driving down The number of crashes So that's why we do it But there are other ways To drive down The number of crashes And one of the ones That Sergeant Madalena Educated me about Is what is known as Traffic calming and I have become a huge fan of traffic calming measures. Can you talk just a little bit about what what you mean when you say traffic
2: calming? So, as much as some folks within the community would love for us to be able to put a police car in, in people's driveways and monitor uh, the speeding on their in particular roads, you know, the fact is it's just it's not possible, and it's not feasible, and lots of times it's not efficient. Um, so, what we try to do, in, in particular for you know some of these secondary and tertiary roadways in an attempt to calm vehicles down or slow vehicles down is try to use different mechanisms um, to make people more aware. When we talk about speeding, yes, there are those individuals out there that are being malicious and they're they're driving um, with the intent of speeding. Majority of people are simply trying to get from point A to point B and their mind is somewhere else. And they may not realize that you know they're going well over 10 miles an hour over the speed limit um lots of times you find that in in uh in areas where people are going home um and they're just in they're just driving that road they drive that road every single day and it it becomes i don't want to say monotonous but it's monotonous and it's it's very uh normal and it's very usual and common to the point where you know you're just driving down say outer west street to get to your house and all of a sudden you're you're exceeding the speed limit um but some of these roadways don't have the traffic volume that would necessarily be efficient for the traffic unit to set up shop and, and, and run radar all day uh, as opposed to something like a Dalton Ave or Holmes Road where the volume is is significant and we're trying to really uh, slow traffic down and um, you know establish a normalcy as far as speed on those roads. So on these secondary and tertiary roads, these calming measures that we'll attempt to put in are, are something like the speed signs uh, where we can put those out there and Visibly show how fast you're going, so people become more aware of it. Um, in addition to that, uh, you know, we, we also work with residents as well. We have equipment that will stick on telephone poles, and what we'll do is we can record. It doesn't take pictures of cars in place, but it records every vehicle that goes down that street, and it will record their speed and the time in which they it goes down. Um, and we can show residents, yep, you know, you're right, you do have a speed issue on the street, or no, actually you don't. Um, you know, Traffic is pretty, pretty good on the street, and we can show that to them. Those, that type of equipment also helps us too, because if there is a speed problem on that particular road, then we can kind of set up shop during the hours uh, where the volume is most prevalent and where the speeding is most prevalent. So that way, you know, we're not sitting there all day necessarily trying to stop cars. If, and the majority of the time, it, we find that uh, the issues are at the same time. It's, it's the commute, right? It's okay. 7 o'clock <clears> in the morning. And also four o'clock in the afternoon. Um, so and and you're right. really
1: talking about a comparison, a small percentage of cars, right? You may be talking about three or four cars in the morning on a residential street during the morning commute, and the same three or four cars in the evening, right? Right. So if you can if you can identify those drivers and take care of that problem, then the perceived speed problem goes down. Um, the so one of my favorite traffic calming measures that you've implemented was the hand-drawn speed signs because one of the other things that contributes to this is the signs just become white noise they just be, people f- stop looking at them right you're not you don't look for the yield sign you don't look for the speed limit sign you don't look for the child crossing sign you're just not aware mm-hmm. i was on my way home last night and uh was on west satanic street and again i'm you know minute unmarked, it unmarked it wasn't egregious violations but I'm coming up. You know, I'm, I'm in the the commercial section of West Design Street. Crosswalk. There is a teenager waiting across the road. I stop in the westbound lane. Three cars in the eastbound lane did not stop. Right. Now it wasn't like they blatantly blew it up. They just didn't know, right? They they were unaware of me stopping. I wasn't gonna turn around on them and go get them. But even, I think even the teenager was surprised that I stopped. And then the fourth car eastbound kind of was like oh one there's a pedestrian two there's a police car three there's a crosswalk it's just you're just not aware you get used to it that, and i'm not going to say that crosswalk is in an odd location but it's not at a corner right so it's mm-hmm. it's just one of those ones that people aren't expecting there to be a crosswalk there
2: so i'm going to bring something up
1: <laughs> Yeah, you
2: know, fortunately this isn't a call-in show
1: yeah no that's deliberate um
2: but you know i regardless of what you think or don't think about the new design on north street what I will say when it comes to pedestrian traveling th- is the way that it is designed now to your point is safer because of the fact that you don 't have those two lanes of travel in both right. directions so you don 't necessarily have that those incidents of that one vehicle stopping <clears throat> and then the second vehicle on the, the other side the inner lane not stopping yeah, not yeah. Stopping.
1: and so that that 's a good segue because also among traffic coming and this is something that the department didn 't do. 15, 16 years ago that you and I have spent a lot of time and attention on. Sometimes the solution isn't enforcement. It's engineering. Right. Right? And I'm not going to say that North Street is the best example of that. We have much better examples where we've worked with highway and Department of Public Utilities. And we said, if you can change the sight line, if you can change the width of the road, if you can change this, it will slow traffic down. Mm-hmm. And it does inevitably it does it generates a ton of complaints people who live on those roads don't like the change but then they see the results and like oh it didn't you know if if someone is stopped um, you know they, they put their hazard lights on and they're stopped because they're going to have a conversation with somebody or they get out to you know pick up a, a trash can or something and you can't whip around them at 40 miles an hour in the other travel lane because we narrowed the road that's a Potential head-on collision that's been avoided right so sure. we get in there and talk with the engineers and say "Go, ch- you know go change the width or put in a bump out on a residential road people lose their minds <laughs> right but it slows yeah. people down it does
2: and that's what they're asking us to mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, as part of the, the grant that you know, Ricardo does get um, that incorporated North Street, but also corporate Elm Street, and you know, we all walked around the city. And we all had an opportunity to p- put forth ideas, and, and uh, based on what we've seen in the community, to try and make improvements. Um, you know, and to your point, a lot of his engineering. Sometimes something as simple as, a, and I, I always bring this example up, something as simple as a sign or, or, or better signage can help out. East 25th Street is a problem, mm-hmm. and you know, regardless of the example that I'm gonna, going to give to you, it's still a problem. Um, but we did, we were able to significantly decrease the amount of accidents at the intersection of Pomeroy and East 2 simply by putting that solar sign, sign. up that says dangerous intersection ahead. Right. For whatever reason, and again, I, I, I realize that these twos is still a problem, but that particular intersection going down, uh, looking at history was significantly worse than the other ones for whatever right. reason. Um, but once we put that that sign up there, it actually probably decreased them by almost half, if not more. Yeah. Um, but. And, I mean that simple. that's
1: an that's an interesting intersection because we took a lot of mm-hmm. different strategies and approaches at that over the years and at at early early times it was just increasing the sight lines right there there was some trees and shrubs and if you were on Pomeroy it, you weren't you weren't necessarily even gonna with a quick look you weren't gonna see oncoming traffic if they were speeding sure right? and then I think the other part of it is there's just some there's some really weird gradients right the way the not the not the slope and the curvature of the road, but kind of just the, the way the, the geography of the road is. If someone is on East Tuzatonic and they're exceeding the speed limit, the likelihood that somebody sitting in that intersection sees them in enough time to, you know, because action is always faster than reaction, right? In enough time not to enter the intersection was bad. And so by drawing a little bit of attention and slowing somebody down on East Housatonic Street, like you said, there's a natural reduction. Um, I'm a big fan of solving traffic problems through engineering. It's just better for everybody. Um, All right, let's switch gears here because there's another issue that's been coming up that you've been kind of taking, not necessarily the lead on, but taking an active role in. Many of our viewers and listeners, uh, re- uh, listeners from far away, may not even be aware of this. Uh, you may have seen stuff like this in other communities. But for this has always been a problem. But for some reason, it really, really spiked during the beginning months of the pandemic. There's just been a huge uptick in recreational vehicle, ATV, motorcycle, riding, which, you know, when we were talking about during the pandemic, Riding in recreational areas, okay, you know, it's something you could do and maintain social and That's not what we're talking about. We're not about riding these types of not street legal vehicles in densely settled urban neighborhoods. Uh, and, again, something we've always seen, but for most of our careers, you know, it would be an offender, a kid who lived in the neighborhood, a you know, rider who lived in the neighborhood. Now it's PACs. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. So... You know, we've we've seen some issues with this in Albany. We saw some issues with this in Springfield. Starting to see uh, some of it here, and coming up with some different strategies to address that and deal with that. Actually, I had a meeting with Captain Dolly yesterday about uh, some strategies to deal with that. Um, it is apparent in our interactions with some of these offenders; they don't even they don't even understand that it's a crime. Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe. You know, oh. it's. They, they know it's wrong. I mean, they're, they're doing it to provoke a response, but they don't know that it's a crime,
2: right? They think it's a moving violation. Right. <clears throat> it's You know And uh, I don't blame the registry for any of this. I mean, it goes beyond the ATVs and the dirt bikes. I mean, there's a lot of scooters out there, you know, call what you want to call them, light utility vehicles, um, you know, that the registry just can't keep up with in regards to, you know, these, these vehicles come online. Yeah, the changes in technology. Yeah, and it's, you know, is it something that needs to be registered? Uh, does it not need to be registered? I mean, the days of the, the mopeds where you just had, had to have the stickers are gone. Everything needs a license plate now. Um, but the, you know, whether it's the 49cc or if the registry changed that, you know, not everything needs to be registered. Having said that, if you're on the public way with something that's motorized and has wheels, you need a permit and or a license, and you need a helmet. It doesn't matter what you're riding. You just need, even if it was one of those little micro bikes back in the day, you still needed to have something that allows you... To, to operate on the, the public way, um, you know. So, you know, from there, we, now we go into the ATVs and and uh, as you say, the packs of riders. And listen, it's we've we've already confiscated, I don't say four or five so far this year. Um, you know, and I, I make a plea to those that are listening and spread the word. And, and you know, we can't do this without the help of, of the public. You know, we if you have information in regards to where these bikes are, if you see them pulling out of driveways, and it can be done anonymously. But we need to know where they're at. We need to know where they're coming from.
1: It, you can call our tip line. You can text a tip to our tip four one one line. P I T T I P. You can you know call the business line. Uh, you can call dispatch and tell them you don't want your name used. They can do that. Uh, but this is one of those kind of things that we can't do it without the public's assistance. Um, now that we're not going to risk the we're not going to risk the danger of a pursuit for wreck vehicle violations um, you know but we are we are going to try to locate them it's much easier for us to do that when we get
2: them parked than when we get them moving so yep. uh, you know videos if you can obtain videos of, of them riding and you know maybe they don't have their helmets on and we can identify you know it's just anything that the public can help us because you know it the frustration is on both sides i mean it's obviously see with the public but it's also with the police department knowing that we're not going to risk innocent people by pursuing these people. And we're not going to risk those in- individuals on the bikes themselves by pursuing them and, and getting them injured as well.
1: Because, it, it, I mean, that's a high high risk, high risk, high liability proposition. I don't know if you saw the video at Albany. Um, you know, it's, there was some debate about whether it was accidental or deliberate, but they pursued and the the rider was not, you know, they were trying to get away, but they weren't that skilled and the speed changed and they hit that rider with a cruiser. Right. Um, you know, it's it's not worth uh it's not worth anybody getting injured but to your earlier point right i mean it's it, i'm not saying that they're they're not they're not guilty of the behavior that we're talking about saying so they think it's a ticket right because they, they don't understand the significance of it and one of the reasons that we got a point to that is they're actively taunting some of our officers mm-hmm. right they're they're trying to get our officers to engage them
2: so it is it's uh it's frustrating on, on all, all levels, but again, you know, in addition to that, it does. Again, um, it's not just about off-road vehicles that are that are operating on the roads illegally. As these springtime and summer months come here, we're going to be dealing with the actual motorcycles themselves on roadways such as Dalton Ave and, and you know Holmes Road and William Street and what have you. Uh, and again, it's 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 the same concept. You know? We're not going to necessarily put people that in jeopardy in pursuing these types of vehicles, but you know if you're sitting at a at a red light and you know you, you just saw this individual coming up behind you at a high rate of speed, or you've seen some dangerous driving or something like that. Feel free to take a picture or or take a video, and and again, it, it, all this stuff could be anonymous. It's just helpful for us to try to identify these bikes and hopefully potentially identify the operators and. You know, I, even if it's just a conversation.
1: I just have to point out, Sergeant, that you just encouraged our u- users and listeners to have a handheld device in their hand while they're <laughs> operating a motor vehicle.
2: Uh, that's true. Yeah,
1: no, you know,
2: don't do it while you're driving. Have your passenger do it. There you go. <coughs> well said. Uh, easier that way. Um, but yeah, it's 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 frustrating for everybody. Um, you look forward to the summer months and, and everybody wants to get out there. Everyone's feeling good. Everyone's having a good time. But, you know, it's, it's you have to be responsible. And again... The whole point to what we do in the traffic unit is to make the roadway safer for everybody to include cyclists motorcycles walkers joggers everybody yeah uh,
1: i i am in no way encouraging this but we, we like to think creatively we like to think outside of the box and i've been trying to I've been doing a lot of thought about don't right because that's a perennial problem we get the complaints every year and i was thinking recently back to you know back in the day we used to have a Officer who worked with us, who in his off time was a race car driver. We have a current race car driver, but mm-hmm. this guy didn't drive stock cars. This guy drove Porsches, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he would talk about like the the European rallies or, or getting down the Lime Rock. And one of the so you have to think about high performance cars at a very very high speed. Sometimes if you if you're doing it on a roadway, you can't bank the track. To to make sure that people stand, they don't you know whip off the track. So the way they do it, I think it's called chicane, C H I C A N E. Mm-hmm. They texture the roadway, and they you know the drivers know where the texture is going to be. So they have to slow going into those turns because they can't keep up the speed without right. damaging the car. Maybe we should texture Dalton half. <laughs> right. well, oh, we can make it one lane. We could put some rumble strips in, like every couple hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Because then they just couldn't get the speeds up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm it, send a memo to Ricardo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the auto repair shops will be happy with that. They sell a lot of brakes.
1: There you go. There's got to be a way to do it that won't be as damaging to the cars.
2: It's going to en- some more thinking.
1: Would encourage the motorcycles to slow way way down.
2: Yeah. Yep. All right. What else you got, Sergeant? what else do I have um, a lot I mean like I said it's you know we we just also ask the citizens to bear with us especially during these these times of the year because um, while we try to get out there and enforce uh, more vehicle laws, in particular on these roadways that we've just discussed um, you know and I hate to have to say this all the time but manpower is what it is yeah, you know we, yeah, we try staffing. to do the best we can with, with the staffing that we have and well, I would love nothing more than to sit there and put a cruiser out in somebody's driveway, uh, to deter this type of activity. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's not feasible. Um, on the subject of staffing, we didn't lead with this at the beginning of the show.
1: We had three new officers on the street. Yeah. starting field training this Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Which is gonna be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> it's not gonna be enough to get you guys off of answering calls, but it's no. a, it's a step in the right direction.
2: Well, there was a time, right, when we were uh, we weren't part of Patrol in a sense we were our own entity. Um it hopefully was, at some point down the road someday we'll a, get back there. It was so. a brief period. It was, it was a beautiful <laughs> period. <laughs> 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 we worked so hard to get there and lost it. Um you got some new equipment coming too, right?
1: Yes.
2: Uh some new signage coming up. We have I mean right now we have geez, four or five um stationary speed signs that we got out there. Um we just ordered another one. It's actually here. You gotta get it up and running and moving. Uh, we have our two trailers that we that we put out there again. Those are what we utilize for those secondary and tertiary roadways to try to help the community out as far as that type of stuff goes. Um, but yeah, we're along with the grant money that we get from from the ops. There, it's a lot of it. And I should say a lot of it. Some of it en- enables us to to grab some new stuff. And, and I was driving down in there. South County recently, and the
1: um the fixed signs, the ones that you mm-hmm. affix to the light poles or something. So they're getting. They're getting very creative. Multiple colors, yeah. right? Multiple colors. They not only post your speed, but, like, they'll flash red with your speed if mm-hmm. you're coming in too hot. And then they change to yellow or green as you come down this. And then they have a smiley face if you get below this. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I try to be efficient with the grant money. Um, so if I can get two as opposed to one, which sometimes if you want to pay a little extra for the smiley face or the little blue light for that flashes, you're only going to get the one. Um, so I try... <laughs> <laughs> I try to get the most bang for my buck, but yeah, you know, down the road, maybe maybe we'll do something cool and special and just grab something like that. And entertainment factor is mm-hmm. good for messaging. Yep. Um, you know, it's there's value to those things being stationary, but the way we set ours up right now is we just, we move them around. Right. We only have, you know, five or six sounds like a, a decent number, but in the end, for many, as much miles and roads as yeah, we have. Nearly 300 miles of road, right? Yeah. So we try to spread <coughs> them out and sprinkle them around and uh, yeah, see so, yeah. them. If you have, the, uh, a, I'm sorry, just real quick. If, if you have any uh, requests, we, we what we do is we have a running list, and we try to get the trailers out and the signs out to these types of. What do we, so, again, let us know, and we'll throw you on a list, and if we can get it out there this, this year, we will. So. One
0: of the uh, functions of, of traffic that we didn't talk about is uh, your involvement in special events. And uh, as someone that uh, has been inserted into the special event coordinating, uh, I'd Look forward to your help sarge um i know you helped out uh, captain grady immensely and one of his uh pieces of advice to me was checking with mark early <laughs>
2: well, i've done traffic for 22 years out of my 25 here um and a lot of it has been special events um, when third thursday started you know that was one of the things that that, that i did um So yeah, we've done quite a bit of them, and and, that's the wonderful thing about spring and summer. Once again, with the weather, as the special events heat up, Um, but again, that's also it's a lot of time, it's a lot of manpower. It's it's oh, they're coming in, they're coming coming in in at an ungodly rate.
0: Yep, that's going to be my afternoon catching up on everything that has come in the last couple weeks. It's a boatload.
1: It is, it is. Captain, Um, we didn't ask you about your vacation.
0: Um, it was great. It, It was, you know a good break went down south got in some warm weather nice um yeah i got to do that more often it's a it was a good recharge cool yeah
1: all right you have been listening and possibly watching to on patrol with the ppd here on wtbr 89.7 fm pittsfield community radio we are also simulcast on pittsfield community television and so i don't get in trouble with officer derby also available on all of your popular podcast platforms we have been speaking with sergeant mark Madalena, commanding uh, supervisor of the traffic unit he's been catching us up on all of the campaigns that are coming up the enforcement campaigns the education campaigns and talking about some specific issues we've got about two minutes left and it's been a long time since we did this so sergeant Madalena, plans for the weekend
2: i'm gonna be working <laughs> so i'll be i'll be here just my weekends don't come for a couple more weeks. So,
1: doubles this weekend.
2: Uh, it's double today, and then singles for the rest of the weekend. Okay,
1: that's a bummer. Mm-hmm. It's it's Easter weekend.
2: It's Easter weekend, mm-hmm. so we'll spend some time with the family. Um, uh, uh, well, Sunday's days and Saturday. I got. I, I can't even keep track. Can't keep track. track. Figure it out. That happens. God bless my wife because she's able to. <laughs> indeed, keep track.
1: indeed, mm-hmm. Captain. Plans for the weekend.
0: Um yeah i'll be uh running around the house uh you know the next uh day or so um but my uh my daughter's home from school so it's uh family time as well this weekend and uh, nice you know certainly on sunday
1: you going down to the compound no
0: <laughs> no not this week no <laughs>
1: no plans to go to the compound no no nope. all right i uh, <laughs> can't fit us all no no I I finally got back on the Jiu Jitsu Mets last night for the first time in I don't know how long it had it had been like three weeks if I don't count the time in Seekonk and uh, hopefully train tonight train Saturday and then uh, I'm looking for it. So I was hoping it was going to be this week. It's not going to work. I have located, I'm not going to say the name on the air, but during COVID, I was out for a bike ride and I found a beautiful little winery that is kind of off the beaten path. And I have found myself missing my friends at the winery. They're not open this weekend. So I'll have to find a substitute, maybe go check out offerings at a winery or brewery, get out for a hike on Sunday. Mm -hmm. But we are just about out of time. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next week for another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, but most importantly, be kind. We're 10-8.